So 2025, you know, we tend to think of it, we want to be number one by then, but it doesn't stop there. The company is being structured to carry on moving and carry on growing. This is the first major show that we've had. We've had local shows, some in the UK and some in other European countries, but this is obviously the, the apex. So we've got new products that we're showing here. Uh, we have shown new products in some of the other shows, but this is, this is the biggie. We have an objective of being the number one supplier globally of compact equipment. So that requires continuous development. So we started off, well, you know our history, started off with loaders, skid steer loaders, then into track loaders, then into mini excavators, then into telescopic handlers. And what we're doing is we really are trying to cover all, all angles on this. So we are extending the product ranges that we offer to cover more industry, to obviously have more sales. Within those ranges, we're introducing continuously more and more models, so within that sector, to make sure that we offer something to all types of customers, not just those who take, say, 80% of that industrial sector. And then on the other side, where it's impractical, really doesn't make economic sense to introduce the products, we look for like-minded partners who have the same focus as us in terms of looking after the customer, service, parts, to then have alliances with these. And I don't know if you saw the Roto Telescopic that we have there, so we have an agreement with Manny now. We work together, they make Bobcat branded Roto Telescopics for us. And we will have other alliances where it makes sense to do it like that. But again, they have to be like-minded. We see ourselves as a premium brand, premium not only on the product, the product performance, but in terms of the behavior towards the end customer. We don't put a machine out there just to have the machine there. Before we put a machine out there, we need to know that the infrastructure is there to support the machine. Otherwise, we won't do it. I mean, even internally, that we have internal rules to say, before a new machine goes out, the dealer network has to be ready in terms of the technicians need to have done any specific training before we ship the first machine to that dealership. That same dealership has to have the essential service items for that machine in its warehouse before we ship the first machine. In fact, we will not ship the first machine until those prerequisites are meant. So when you talk about a skid steer loader, people refer to it as a Bobcat, even though they may be referring to a machine which is from one of the other brands. So obviously proud of that, but like you say, we've extended, we've gone to other ranges. I mean, I, I look after, one of the areas I look after is the UK. The UK is not large in terms of industry sector on, on loaders. So if you take loaders, skids, track loaders, it's an industry of seven to 800 machines a year. It's not big. If you take the mini excavators up to 10 tons, you've got an industry of last year, it was upwards of 22,000 machines. So obviously if you want to grow as a business and be number one globally, you have to ensure that you cover that industry sector adequately. And like now, I think we now have a fantastic range of excavators. Really, we can stand up against anyone on the excavators. Same thing with the telescopic handlers. I mean, I don't know if you, we will talk about it later, but we have our new super compact telehandler here, as well as having the big rotos that will go up to a reach of 40 meters. 
So we are covering all aspects. And like I said, it's either stuff that we're developing ourselves or we go into strategic alliances with others. During the COVID period, you're right, we, didn't, we, we worked throughout. But as a company, both commercially, we never shut the factories down. The only factory that we had to shut, we were obliged to shut down, was in France because we had to. But we still had a very strong order book. We still needed to produce. Our dealers needed machines. And apart from an initial period of panic, I think everybody had when you know, Europe went into, a went into a lockdown, immediately after, things bounced back very, very quickly for us. So order books were full. We had what we referred to as a backlog pipeline. The number of orders that we have that we need to build exploded. So in all aspects, whether it was development, whether it's manufacturing, whether it was commercial, we never stopped. In fact, we worked harder through COVID than what we would have done in a normal period. We really have two things that we do. So we obviously in continuous contact with our customers. And we, we in Bobcat, we do have very close relationships with our customers and with our dealers. So in terms of any new needs, variation on needs, we have a constant feedback coming back from our customers, from our dealers. In terms of the tech, because we're close to our customers, because we understand their needs, we can also say there is now this type of technology available. How can we leverage that technology to make our products more productive, more effective? So we come at it from both angles. So we'll, say, we'll take what we believe is good, robust technology that can help on-site, and we will develop that into an idea, we'll share the idea with the customer, and then we fine-tune, we iterate, to make sure that when it goes out to the market, it really is something that's going to provide a benefit. So it's all, if you like, it's pure marketing. You know, we know the industry, we know enough about the industry to say, this will be good for you. We never lose the traditional side of, tell us what you need, and we will satisfy that need. So we're working on both sides. And this is, you've seen it now, but this is not stopping. This isn't you know, a project with an end date. This is a way of thinking. This is continuous now. So this is just the way we operate. And we do have specific teams set up that look at this. It's not short-term project. This is a function. This is a department within Bobcat. If we talk about the different power sources that you can have on a machine, do all our customers know what's available? Maybe not. Do they know that they require, or that legislation's coming that's going to push them away from diesel-powered machines? Yes. So sometimes we'll take that need. Obviously, this is a major one, so we know legislation's coming. A lot of it's coming from the north of Europe, through principally through Norway, even now Denmark as well, and that will cascade down. It will cascade down quite quickly. So we're aware of this. Now, do they know all the technological solutions? No. So we'll work on those. We'll see how effective they are. And then, we'll, again, we'll have that feedback loop to say, look, this problem's coming. By this date, you need to be non-diesel. The alternatives are this. Now, you see that we've got full electric machines, the, the 7X is downstairs. So we've got literally pure electric. The only bit of liquid that's in the 7X is some coolant. That's it. Everything is electric. We have the hybrids where we've re we've replaced the diesel engine with electric power packs but driving hydraulics so we look at all aspects of that we may even have some projects can't confirm it but may have projects that are looking at hydrogen power as well and again it's things that we want to be ready for these have a certain lead time in terms of having the product but something like hydrogen isn't just dependent on us we can come up with a product that's robust 
effective, reliable, but there needs to be the infrastructure. Now, obviously, we're not responsible for the infrastructure, but if the infrastructure ever comes where that becomes a viable alternative, we want to be ready with solutions. In some applications, in, in terms of the machine itself, machine performance, we are. It's, it's new technology, so it does tend to be more expensive. So the, we, we're offering two models now, hopefully, in the market. So we've got the two mini excavators, the E10E, and now the E19 is being launched at Balmer. And there is a requirement. We have customers who do need these machines. Now, they need them because they have to have them to get the contracts that they're working on. They don't have the machine, they don't get the contract. But they're now beginning to see the benefits of the machine. So even if it's not legislation pushing them, if you've got the electric machine, you can almost work through the night, but you're not disturbing any neighbors. You can work in certain environments without endangering your workforce. Emissions, they're paying a premium, but are they getting more back? Are they getting more for the job? Absolutely they are. It's early stage and it's almost, I mean, I, I think of it in terms of also managing expectation as well. You cannot run an electric machine for eight hours a day, 12 hours a day. It needs a break. They don't have that level of autonomy, depending on the mission that they have. I mean, you know, our machines, if you're going to do some leveling on the small machine, it will give you four hours. It's going to use it as a breaker. It's going to give you two and a half hours. The customer knows up front you've managed the expectation. And they are willing to pay the premium. There is a premium on the technology as well until those components become mass-produced and the cost comes down. If the governments have certain targets to meet in terms of footprints, they will bring in legislation. Once that legislation comes in, that's hard and fast. No slippage on that. And there will be, hopefully, some incentives to encourage people to move to it quickly so that there isn't this chaos as you're passing over that deadline. I mean, we, we, we were talking to some of our our Danish dealers this morning, made it, making us aware of some new legislation that's coming into Copenhagen, 1st of January 2024. We see we now need to be ready for that in terms of credentials that we supply with our machines. So again, we get this stuff because we're in continuous contact with the dealers, with the customers. We actually refer to the loaders, for us, they're tool carriers. And obviously without the attachment, the machine is useless. Now, we, we do, again, it's how is the company organized to recognize that. We do have specific teams who develop the attachments, who sell the attachments. They require quite a lot of knowledge in terms of compatibility. So you've got a certain attachment. Now, that attachment can't go on all machines. You need to have the right machine to push that attachment. So big focus on that. And again, that's a catalog that is getting thicker and thicker by the year. Obviously, as we go from one product range to new product ranges, we're then developing the attachments for the new product ranges. As we move from diesel and hydraulic fluids to electric, we then need electric powered attachments. So for example, the T7 that you'll see downstairs, that you may have already seen downstairs, it cannot push a traditional attachment. It requires an attachment that is electric powered attachment. You know, there's no hoses that are gonna drive any fluids through it. So again, it's continuous development. So imagine the catalog that used to be, you know, these are non-powered attachments, these are hydraulic powered attachments, they will now have another section that says these are electric powered attachments. The front end, the carriages as we refer to them, in terms of connecting the attachments, and we have different brands as well. We, we see that across the ranges. There isn't a standardization. So what you have are adapters. I mean, the, the, the typical example would be 
we're still relatively new with telescopic handles. Now, the, the major competitors are not Bobcat at the moment. We, it'll be JCB and Manitou, to be frank. So if we have a customer who is running those as a fleet, they have a large investment of attachments with them. If they move over to a Bobcat, you know, the first question is, can I use my attachments? Or when I change my machine, do I have to buy another set of attachments? So we want to accommodate that customer as well. So we get the machine in there so they can see the virtues of the machine. But then we have front, front end adapters to them to allow them to carry on using those. I'm hoping for a day where there will be standardization on this, but some people see it as like you know, a brand advantage by having their own unique solution. So I think that might take a little bit longer. In terms of our presence in the market, we really do want to be the number one player in, in terms of revenue, number one player in compact equipment. And if you see, I see what we're doing here, it really is a huge focus on compact equipment. That's the objective. And we're all gearing around being number one, and not just in terms of the product. The, the product without the structure to support it is not good. Everything. We, we, we're a premium brand. For me, premium brand is not just the product. It's the behavior. It's the service you give to the customer. So we're doing all that, but also in terms of financial services. We talk about product. We talk about parts. We talk about support, but affordability. We talk about the technology to support it. I don't know if you're familiar with our IQ, our telematic systems, and going from something that's going to record a fork code to something that's going to be preemptive i.e. I see your machine is about to be sick. You know, I've got enough algorithms, enough KPIs in there, enough sensors in there to see that it's not behaviors and it should be. So we want to be proactive. We go back to the dealer or the customer and say, you really need to bring the machine in because we want to get to it before it develops a fault code. And then you lose the machine, you have downtime. So all of this is part of what we're doing to set up the company to be able to provide these services. Again, it's not just about, you, you see the product because that's a nice thing, it's the launch, it's new. But the company needs to be able to be structured to support the customer on everything that goes with that. Like I say, parts, service, affordability, and even when he's ready to come in and chop his machine in for another one, how do we look after him? You know, we want him to have maximum residual value on the machine. We can take that machine and we can then say, right, it's a good machine. It's been looked after in a certain way because that customer took out a Bobcare product, prevented a maintenance contract. So we know it's been maintained with original parts, with Bobcat trained technicians. So when that comes back in, let me call, it's almost like a, a, an approved used machine that can then be resold with a warranty, a Bobcat approved warranty. So then we target in another area. So the guys, the customer who cannot quite afford a new one, but wants something that is solid and with a warranty. So we're selling the same machine twice and targeting another customer sector. And all of this is what we believe we need to have in place as, not as projects, as fixed departments, just the way we work to get to being number one and carry on growing. So 2025, you know, we tend to think of it, we want to be number one by then, but it doesn't stop there. The company is being structured to carry on moving and carry on growing. So you have a platform, uh, and the platform, let's say today, you may have four models covering a certain part of a range. The idea would be that you take the biggest platform so that it's capable of giving your power more lift, further reach, whatever it may be, 
And then it's almost like a dial-up service, the way that you would have with certain, with, with phones or with services that you get online. This week, I'm doing a job where I need another 10 horsepower. I'm doing a job where I need another half a meter of reach. You turn it on for that week in which you need that facility. After you've done the job, you turn it off. So you're paying for what you need. But the machine obviously has to be physically capable of doing that. So you tend to then move to a higher machine within that sector and then on and off as you need. In a way, you could say, you know, are Bobcats shooting themselves in the foot by doing some, something like that? Because that guy, would he otherwise buy two or three models, you know, for that job? But, you know, that's not really the train of thought. This is a relationship. We want to satisfy that customer. So he's coming back to Bobcat. We don't want him for the two or three machines. We want him for life. So we want to offer him something that's flexible. If he can buy one machine and it can be different things, it's a Swiss Army knife. You know, pull out the blade when you need it. It's just that when you pull the blade out, you're paying a little bit of money to have that facility. As a concept, it's great. But again, imagine the infrastructure that you require with that. It's not only about having a manufacturing company with a commercial presence, global commercial presence. It's also about having you know, a structure that controls. When this guy phones up and says, I want you to turn it on, who manages that? Who then goes in, finds that serial number, says on that serial number, between date A and date B, give him another half a meter reach, give him another 10 horsepower. So you need all that kind of infrastructure in place to be able to provide that. From our, from our children and to see how they play today and what their reality is today. We also have certain concepts of, you know, do we move to something that's a machine which is driverless? Do you control it? I mean, you, you've seen our remote control. So we can control quite a few of our machines now on mobile phones or on um, radio frequency remote control packages. But envisage a day where you could be sat in your front room controlling a machine that has multiple sensors, that has laser eyes, and it can actually show you what you would see as though you were sat in the seat. Not only that, but the machine controls are giving you a feedback to tell you, is the machine stable? Is it about to tilt? Are you putting too much stress on the machine? So you actually have a feedback loop through a virtual control system where it's, you really are substituting that with a remote driver. And if you've got the remote driver, the machine, then just literally, it's just a machine. It's a powered up machine. Doesn't need to have a cabin, doesn't need the controls. The controls are the console that you're sat on. You know. These are the exciting things about the future. I mean, there is, there's also certain other considerations that I think a responsible manufacturer would have to have in terms of, you know, are you doing the right things ethically as well? You know, we, we all have a company standard in terms of we're not just, we want to look after our customers, but we want to do the right things in terms of the way that we behave morally and how we fit into our society. Something that, you know, takes people's jobs away. We wouldn't really want to get too heavily involved in that. These are ultimately our customers. But then you, you get into like the exciting field of having to make those considerations. The technology is getting you to that point now. It's really, is that's why I'm saying to you, this is a road that you're on. It's not, oh, we've got that far, we're stopping. Technology carries on developing. And it's the only thing that's halting it in certain situations today, it's legislation. And you see that not just with plant equipment, but road legislation as well. I mean, you, you have autonomous cars. We're both in the UK. I don't know if you've seen them, but they, well, you wouldn't have seen them, but there are cars driving around. 
UK cities that may have a driver in the seat, but he's not controlling the car. The car is controlling itself. As soon as that legislation says that car can go on the road on its own without having to have someone physically there, the world can change overnight. Us as a group, Doosan as a group, have moral codes, certain behaviours that we, we follow. And some of these are, are not just business behaviours, they are behavioural behaviours and a certain responsibility. And we, we actually, every year, each group, every sub-team of any organisation with Doosan is given a budget to actually go and demonstrate some social responsibility. You take time out, you take two or three days out and you go and do something that's a direct benefit to, to you know, whichever, it may be a charitable organisation, it may be going and working with homeless people, and we do that. So not only do we say it and we expect our employees to behave in that way, but we also go and deliver as well. And that's not just in the UK, that's globally.